you, Wimpy. Glad to see you coming by. Come on up. Oh, Come hey, on. how's it going, Fred? Well, I'm I'm still not dead yet. I, you know, got up. There wasn't six feet of grass over the top of me, so I think I'm having a pretty good day. Uh, how's your day going? Uh, it's a little chilly. It's actually starting to get to fall over by me, so... Oh, is it? Yeah, it, it it's still... We're, I think, looking at, like, 95 today or something. Uh, yeah, here, we're so. in the mid-50s. It feels like October. Yeah, well, that's probably because in the rest of the country it is. But um, So I'm sitting here, uh, and sit down, relax. Um, I was sitting here reading the New York Times that somebody brought by the other day. It's from a couple of days ago. Great article, though, that, that says Americans want to believe jobs are the solution to poverty, and they're not. But I thought this is a, a pretty good, well, this is what I was just reading. In America, if you work hard, you will succeed. So those who do not succeed have not worked hard. It's an idea found in the marrow of the nation. William Byrd, an 18th century Virginia planter, wrote of poor men who were, quote, intolerable lazy and, quote, slothful, which I assume means slothful in today's English, slothful in everything but getting of children. Thomas Jefferson advocated confinement in poorhouses for vagabonds who, quote, waste their time in idle and dissolute courses. Leap into the 20th century, and there's Barry Goldwater saying that Americans with little education exhibit, quote, low intelligence or low ambition and Ronald Reagan disparaging, quote, welfare queens. In 2004, Bill O'Reilly said of poor people, you gotta look people in the eye and tell them they're irresponsible and lazy, and then continued, because that's what poverty is, ladies and gentlemen. And, you know, I people think that. So, and, so for, first of all, I want to address Thomas Jefferson, the lazy shitbag who owned right, slaves. To, yeah, okay. You uh, know? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I think he meant confinement in poorhouses for vagabonds, as in they should be enslaved. I think that's what he meant by that. I had, that could be. Well, yeah, and we have made slaves out of out of prisoners. I think there's a case to be made for that. But I don't know. I And, it, and it, when I see 18th century Virginia planter, I think slave owner. Mr. Yeah, William almost Bird. certainly. Yeah. That's, that's what I think. Um, Barry Goldwater. Uh, Mr. Barry Goldwater. If you don't have the resources for a better education, you don't get one. That's why we introduced public education. There so you that go. way, everyone would have a fair shake at saying, hey, everyone has the same level of education here or there. You know, there's going to be variances because yes. people. So for them to jump to the conclusion that because you are poor, you are lazy is baseless. Well, because... You know I know plenty of lazy rich people who do nothing. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, let's take the Jenner family. They do nothing. They literally do nothing. It's, yeah. Here's a perfume. Big freaking whoop. It's not like they're planting, you know, corn out in the fields or something. Right. And let's take take it to there. The hardest working group of Americans are the agriculturalist, right? The farmer, right? I would have to say so. I, I can't prove it, but I would certainly not argue. Most of them make yes. anywhere between 24 to 40 grand a year. If they're on the high end, and that's falling because of the more popular, large corporate farm holds, right? Mm -hmm. So they're mm -hmm. making less and less money, but they work the hardest. So how, how do... I'm assuming all these are privileged white males who got money or, or were born into it, first of all. Yeah. And for them to have the cognitive dissonance to say... Because you're poor, that means you're lazy. That's, that's not true at all. It could be true about yes. somebody. Certainly, yes. But it's not the case. Well, you know, they, they used to have a classification called the, the working poor. Now, according to the Times article, there's another new classification, the working homeless. I mean, are you serious? Somebody is working as much as she can. And the story is about Vanessa. I recommend everybody read it. Americans want to believe jobs is a solution to poverty. They're not. New York Times, I don't have the date. Uh, let's see if I can find it. But um, looks like uh, it's a feature. September, oh, September 11th, Matthew Desmond. You ought to read the article. But he points out that, you know, we, we follow the story of a girl named Vanessa who 
works every time she can. She she takes care of old people, which I'm sorry, we need to do that. I have an 88-year-old mother, and I am, you know, ec- ec- ecstatic that somebody takes care of her. That's an important job. Doesn't pay much, and, you know, anywhere between 10 and 14 bucks an hour. And she's got three kids, and she and her three kids often had to sleep in their car. For a while, she could live with her mom, but then her mom got sick of the kids and said, I need you to leave. So she and the kids would go spend the night in a car someplace, and then they'd come back. And this woman is working. You know, she's not... The idea that, you know, well, there's somebody sitting at home getting stoned playing video games all day, and I'm not paying for that. I had to work for mine. They have to work for theirs. First off, I have no doubt, I'm sure, somewhere in America, somewhere on earth, that that welfare queen exists. But that's less than 1%. And you're screwing the other 99 point whatever percent who need the help. And, you know, I would like to think that if we can agree on nothing else, that everybody in America should be able to agree that if you are alive, you deserve a home. I'm not saying the Taj Mahal, okay? I, you don't need to be living at Mar-a-Lago, but you got to have a home. Four walls, a toilet, you know, basics, okay? You got to have you got to have food enough to eat. You don't have to be able to go out to, you know, out back five times a week, but you got to be able to eat. You got to be able to you got to be able to have the clothes that you need and you got to have the medical care and the education you need. And I I think even you know, I, I think everybody on every side of the political debate should be able to get on board with those things. And if not, I don't know where we're going to go. We can debate about how you get to that goal, but that's got to be the goal. Well, I saw a hypothetical pie chart within the last year uh, demonstrating how to budget for young people. And the first red flag on this pie chart that I saw was making $4,000 a month. <laughs> and, and I'm going, well, hold on. Is that on. after taxes? I taught for 29 no, this is, years. No, this, this is... This is this is before taxes, so this is this is income, and I go well. Hold on, the average, the median wage or total amount of money that an average American makes is thirty-two thousand dollars a year. So you're mm-hmm. already budgeting in ten thousand extra dollars for that. Uh, about fifty percent more. That'd be forty-eight thousand a year, right? Four four times twelve is four. That's forty-eight grand a year. Yeah, so which so is that's, great pay, that's, uh, you know. You can that's live about ten thousand that. dollars or twelve thousand dollars more on average than what what you would be seeing. Yeah, 16. and they budgeted in on this chart for a month one thousand dollars worth of charitable donation. Oh well, that would be just lovely. And yeah, well, yeah, that would be fantastic. But yeah, I don't know anyone what, who does more than a thousand dollars a year in charitable yeah. donations. Well, you so know, obviously it, this hypothetical was stupid to begin with, but but let's take it as as, as something plausible. Okay, okay, so for you to make a $1,000 donation charitably on $4,000 a month received, in that tax bracket, you're looking at about $1,200 taken out of your paycheck per month. So that's mm-hmm. $2,200 taken out. So that means you have $1,800 to play with to pay for the rest of your expenses, right? Good luck with that. Yeah. Where are you living? Well, you're, 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 that rent slash mortgage is going to be anywhere between $900 to $1,500 a month. Then well, your yeah. food, if you're single, yeah, you can manage by doing, you know, 150 bucks a month in food. But then you have your utilities and all this, and you're going, well, maybe if I wouldn't have donated $1,000 to charity that month, I would have been able to budget it. Yeah. That, that's that's the ridiculous thing here is... This idea of being able to sustain yourself in this dystopic, utopian idealism, it just doesn't make yeah. any sense. Because Give me two seconds. Hang on. Go ahead. I'll be right back. Because when you're doing something like, I don't know, say, working construction... Well, you're only working construction for a set amount of time, and then you are laid off for four months. So, yeah, when you're working for eight months, you might be making five grand a month. But then you have four months of not making anything. 
It happens with steel workers. It happens with welders. It happens to a lot of people. And managing your money like that, it just doesn't really affect too much as to your gross mean over a year. So... The idea that poor people are lazy and are poorly managing their money doesn't make any sense. Because they don't have the resources to not be able to manage it or be able to work and have time off and vacation and all this nice stuff that people who are more well off, who are happen to be better educated, which a lot of those people who are poor, who go into the military services to get educated, no longer have that affordability to do that. We don't have... Right. The PI, uh, the GI grant, or or, or the Pell grants, or anything yeah. like that, they're they're gone, they're yeah. gone. So yeah. all those people thinking I'm going to get an education from going into the service, that's a lie. It doesn't happen anymore. That's something that your grandparents stole from you by voting Republican because they got it and they don't want anybody else to get it because they want to feel special. They want their butt ba- their butt padded and put powdered on. Okay, there you that's go. what they yeah. want. Yeah, that's why yeah. I generally don't trust anyone over sixty. So. Well, give me four more years, but I, uh, you know, and actually, That's what you know, Nixon I mean, when I was for. that fits because when I was young, you know, Dustin Hoffman and you know the graduate never trust anyone over thirty. But anyway, um, and both of us have broken that one now. Um, yeah, I, I, I think part of it is everybody has this fear of of, and you know, even uh, William Byrd mentions it, slothful sloth, as though there is something evil. Right about being what they would call lazy, um, and I have a hard time getting behind that. And the reason is that, look, there was a time when to be lazy was to be evil. I I don't deny that. Um, you know, the early settlers and stuff like that, they had to work twenty four hours a day, seven days a week, just to survive. They had to cut down all the lumber to make their houses. They had to make that. You know, they had to cut the trees, they had to make it into lumber, they had to figure out how to put it together, they had to invent the damn tools to put it together. And, you know, if any time that you're not working, you are in positive danger of dying. And sometimes, no matter how hard you worked, you still died because we had not yet built up an infrastructure that would support people. Um, however, we've had 200,000 years to work on this now, and the infrastructure's here. We now can actually... But who built the infrastructure? Who all the people that came before us. The, the aristocracy keeps it. That's, that's what you're missing, is the people who have power keep power. That power never changes unless there's a revolution. Which is... <laughs> you know? And that's what we would like to avoid, quite frankly, is... is you know, I, there is talk now of... It, The president is talking about it's a coup, and there are people, in fact, who are concerned about, you know, hey, are we going to have to have a revolution to to turn this all around? And my God, no. Uh, Well, I I see the mailman. I'm going to go pick up my mail. Uh, We'll talk about this in a second, Fred, so that way, you know, we can get into this full discussion just with that. Sounds like a plan. All right, grab your mail, and uh, I'm going to have a cigarette, and and, uh, I'll wait for you to come back. And now, for your listening pleasure... Wimpy's hypothesis that Fred is actually Grandpa Simpson. And the, I think you're responsible only if you only if you know better. A great example, a couple of years ago, two, three years ago. One trick is to tell them stories that don't go anywhere. I have a, a friend named Mara. She's an absolutely gorgeous, gorgeous girl, but she's like 30. She's decades too young for me. What's so unappealing about hearing your elderly father talk about sex? But I saw on Facebook one day she's having a really lousy day and i texted her and said hey when you're done with work why don't you come by and we can watch netflix i just want attention and chill i'm old gimme 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 you can't say that okay i had no idea i used to be with it but then they changed what it was now what i'm with isn't it and what's it seems weird and scary to me. And she texted me back, you know, inquiring as to whether I were a pedophile. He may be a liar, a pig, an idiot, a communist, 
but he is not a porn star. What are you talking about? I thought we are going to watch your movie and relax. No, no, no. Audio proof that Fred is actually Grandpa Simpson. It's for you, the audience, to decide. If you don't start making more sense, we're going to have to put you in a home. You already put me in a home. Then we'll put you in the crooked home he saw in 60 minutes. I'll be good. Wimpy, so, did you get your mail? Yeah, nothing but junk and... Damn it, another piece of mail from Indirect TV. Oh, God. Those guys just don't light up at all. No, if I were in charge of the universe, sending junk mail would be punishable by death and a slow and painful one. I hate junk mail. I also hate spam. I hate all of that. That Don't waste my time. Don't waste my space with this crap. And as far as that goes, how many trees are we killing to send junk mail no one's ever going to read? Particularly for I'm, something as deeply evil as indirect TV. But, I'm, I'm, right. go, I'm, I'm going to have to take this, this soundbite, take a photo of you, Fred, complaining, and then show a clip of Grandpa Simpson waving his fist at a cloud with the headline saying, saying Old Man Yells at Cloud. <laughs> that'll work we could use that as uh i don't know what we'll use that as i was going to say i don't i don't think it's an entire episode picture because it doesn't you know do a whole episode that's a moment but do something oh no like i could it. just take that segmented piece and just take that image and just play it over that image and we'll be good it, it'll be effective all right that's cool <laughs> yeah i'm going to I'm going to work on on putting the last one on YouTube. I'm going to the, my next project after we finish this is to get pictures for that. It's about 23 minutes. Get pictures for that. A lot of people are telling me it's easier for them to do YouTube than podcast. So, um, I can uh, do that, which is you know. which is it's if you're going to do YouTube, you might as well do a live stream because it will archive right to YouTube. Well, then we should try to figure that one out. Except then I would need to have a camera, which I don't have yet. So working on it, you know. Those of you that we'll are listening, we'll donate to us, and uh, we'll get a camera. So anyway, <laughs> don't don't they'll do it. They'll do it. Trust uh, well, me, they'll do it. Know, except that the problem is, if you get a camera, then you have to see me, and trust me, you don't really want to. Um, I'll have to shower before I before I do these shows. That'll suck. So Fred anyway. has a face for radio. Yeah, I really do, uh, which is why I am the king of radio, king of Anchor FM, hardly. But anyway. Uh, so um, we were talking about how yeah. to change everything for the better without having a civil war, which I, I outside of those extreme circumstances usually doesn't happen unless there's a famine or a natural disaster. Yeah. So I, I want to hear your ideas about this because well, it's it's heading that way. It's... Things are, are going that way b- between the undercurrent of never fixing the actual slavery racism issue and the mm-hmm, sexism mm-hmm. issue, the bigotry mm-hmm. and all that, and the idea that there is a minority of people, but a large enough of, of a minority of people, that will follow a cult of personality no matter what. Yeah. And when they feel like they're backed into a corner, what are they going to do? Yes. They're going to uh, uh, lash out at people. So, yeah. yeah, what are your ideas? Because you're you're a pacifist, Fred, and there's nothing I wrong am. with being a pacifist. Yes. Uh, but what are your ideas to try and prevent something like that happening? You can't engage in conversation with these people. They're stone set in what they think. And there's the first problem is I don't know. Okay, if I can convince you of something using facts, evidence, and logic phenomenal then we can get someplace if i can't then what i want to do is try to find that spot where everyone agrees what frightens me is the number of people and i'm sure that there are some who are listening now that say fred you're full of shit there are people who don't who don't deserve a home who don't deserve food then i don't have the common ground i need with them to uh, to begin to move forward toward a solution. Um, it, and so then that then I'm stymied. What I want to do, though, is find that larger group of people who are willing to say, well, yeah, I mean, I don't want anyone to die, for heaven's sake. Good. Let's work together then and see what we can do as opposed to just attacking each other. The other thing is that I think arguments 
are always open for attack. Any argument I make, please feel free to tear it into tiny little pieces. People, on the other hand, never are open to attack. Um, that's when you attack a person instead of the argument, you're not proving anything, okay? The minute that, you know, we, we, we talk, you know, about Trump-publicans or libtards or snowflakes, we start throwing around those kinds of things. The minute that somebody hits me with libtard, I'm all done listening to them. Um, you're no longer interested in... Well, it's the difference between argument and discussion. I just posted that on my page the other day. Somebody said, I don't know, some Zen master said it or something. I don't care who said it. But the idea is that uh, I prefer discussion to argument. Discussion tries to find out what is right. Argument tries to determine who is right. I'm more interested in what is right than who is right. If I'm wrong, that's fine. Show me the facts, the evidence, the logic. Convince me that I am wrong, and I will be more than happy to admit being wrong. Um, and we need to be able to get there as a country. One of the things I think is vital for that um, how do you convince somebody that who believes that, no, that person do, doesn't deserve a place to sleep at night? How do I convince them that they do? And one of the things that I think is necessary for that is empathy. Um, for me, that's sort of the crowning jewel of humanity. You don't kill children, and not because it's against the law. That's not why you won't do it. You won't do it because you can feel for the child, for the child's mother and father and, and brothers and sisters and everyone that's school and all. You can feel for all those people, and no way would you do that. You don't give a damn what the law says. You can feel for them. Now, I'm not an anarchist. I understand we need laws, but really, we need empathy more than we need laws. Once... I have instilled enough, enough empathy in people, then we can start to feel for people who are not us. If you can feel for people who are not you, you're going to have a much more difficult time doing violence against them. How do we get empathy? I'm going to submit that it begins in infancy. Um, the first emotion that you ever feel and the first emotion that you ever express is love. Mommy cuddles you. She is loving you. You are developing empathy for mommy. You love mommy. That is the first emotion that you ever learned. Later on, some son of a bitch will teach you to hate. But prior to that, all you have known, assuming that you have had decent parents, all you have known is love. Where is the root of evil? People that don't have, and it's not their fault, but you have shitty parents who, for reasons passing understanding, either cannot or do not give you the love and affection due to an infant. You know, when we get to the idea that, well, nobody deserves anything from anybody else, look, we begin our lives that way. Well, we should all support ourselves, really. Okay, so uh, mommy had the baby, toss him over in the corner, good luck, kid, you're on your own. No rational person would say that. Obviously, we're going to support the baby. How long? Now we come into arbitrary lines. 18, 15, 12, 21, until their means are whatever. But we realize that we support each other at the beginning. And why do we do that? Because and it's a long-term investment. Yeah, go well, ahead. You support, you support each other throughout your whole life. That's why we have a word called family. Yeah. And again, we're proceeding on the assumption that everyone comes from a good family, which sadly we both know is not always true. I, I, yeah, I taught for 29 years, and I used to do student-led conferences. And I had a parent come to a conference at one point with her daughter, and her daughter wasn't doing very well in school. And the mom said, and I have never forgotten this, the worst thing I ever heard a mother say to her child. She turned to the kid, she said, you know what? Before I had you, I was thinking of having an abortion. Now that I've had you, I really wish I had. Now, you're not a good mom. And this isn't a political statement about abortion. I am not going into that right now. But you don't say that 
to your daughter. That's not a good family. And then, Fred, did you did you get up and punch that woman? Because that's what I see, would have done. And obviously, no, because, because that's because it seems like that's the only thing that that kind of person would understand is violence against them. And I don't <laughs> do violence, and I, you know, I mean, and again, I recognize that there is a time when it is necessary. Uh, you know, Hitler was going to take over the world. Japan bombed Pearl Harbor. We don't have any more choices now. We can't talk about this and then we need violence. But before we get there, if we can turn it around, that's what I think we need to do. We do that through empathy. If you didn't learn it from your parents, then the next place to learn it, in my view, is in art. In it's, it should music. be your peers. Well, you, your peers. That would be lovely. Um, but I think you learn. I mean, I learned a lot of mine from books. I learned to feel for other people. I was, you know, I don't know what, five years old, and I could feel for Curious George. And by the time I was ten, I was feeling for Hamlet. Uh, you know, it, if you can feel for another person, even if it's a fictional person, right? I mean, my God, how many people did not cry when Tom Robinson was I... was, was found guilty? I you think it's even sooner it. than that, Fred. It's You should start feeling for yourself first. And you know my philosophy on this. Uh, yes. Why murder laws shouldn't have to be there. Because logically, everyone has cut themselves accidentally at one point. Or, or gotten a cut somehow. And they yes. hurt, right, Fred? Yeah, oh yeah. So the natural reaction is, ow, that hurts. I did not like that experience. Oh, well, I am a person. Well, I would assume all people feel the same way about being cut. So I shouldn't do that to other people. Yeah. Like, that's but, not that difficult of a jump to do for a regular functioning human brain. All right. There are people who have debil- uh, disabilities that can't do that, to which we have to teach them as best we can. And even still, that might not work. But if you, even if you take, because the problem with the idea of empathy is then you're losing the illusion of self-madeness, self-reliance, the idea mm-hmm. of making yourself better. Which, yes. I like empathy, but it can be a dangerous drug because then it's, well, then you're feeling sorry for, you know, you brought up his name, Hitler. You know, which yeah. then goes back to the argument of uh, discussion versus argument. Well, Hitler had a lot of good ideas, but he also had a whole bunch of bad ones. So it's kind of important who says what. Because if you don't draw that line of saying this person is majority bad ideas, anything he says should be taken, he or she says, should be taken with a grain of salt, that's, you should be able to do that. And I've always, I've always liked this come come back. That's stupid, you're stupid, stop being stupid. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That's, that's just being objective with what you're saying how you're saying it and how you are acting slash reacting to what you say. That's important because, you know, the idea of sticks and stones may break my bones. And we had this discussion last week with words and how long uh, should an archive of your words be that should affect you. Yeah. It's everyone, no matter how or what you say, will interpret it in their own way. Mm -hmm. And, when you're doing that, you have to be able to constructively use words correctly. So that way, no matter what kind of discussion or argument you're having, they can't dissect what you're saying and say, well, you meant it race, uh, you know, as a racist. No, I didn't. I didn't mean it that way. You know, like the people who go, uh, I'm not a racist, but. And you know immediately after that, but there's something racist coming. And yeah. you can't disqualify it as being racist. By saying, yeah. well, I'm not a racist. Well, you're demonstrating that you are. That the, that doesn't make any sense. Yes. And as, as much as I love the idea of empathy and, and, and building that bridge and, and, and forgiveness and all of that, it just, there are times where it functionally doesn't work. And I want to talk with you about that, Fred, but I gotta go run over quick. quick. I think I left my oven on, so I'm gonna oh, go check hell. on that and I'll, I'll, be, I'll be right back, okay? All right, see you in a minute. Make sure everything's all right. Yeah, I will. This is Flip Masterati with your big play of the week. 2,904 and two against the spread all time. You gotta be kidding me. This week is the lock of the last time that I said there was a lock. Chicago giving 10 points against Minnesota. Forget about it. Over and unders, I don't understand numbers. 
horse racing, I bet on pit racing, female semi-nude mud wrestling, Matilda is lock. Your local cockfighting ring, I have the best plays of them all. If you can bet on it, I got money on it. Call right now for the free lock on sale and guaranteed to win. 7,329 against the spread. Lock of the week, you're all suckers! Well, I'm glad you're back. Did, did your house burn down? Uh, no, but the Hooters next door did. Oh, well, that's that's not very good. What See, happened? it's funny, Fred, because that happened here last night. It was amazing. I've read that Tell. article about it. Yeah, there's, the Hooters caught on fire at 4 o'clock in the morning. I can't imagine why. You talking about the, the restaurant yeah. that is famously misogynist or something? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it has terrible food. Yeah. I've I've actually never eaten there. No, it's, maybe I did. It's I didn't special. remember the food. I remember the special. You know. Okay. All right. All right. So no, that's that's scary. Uh, that that is. I, I well, it, it started in the kitchen, so I I would assume that didn't clean out the grease traps and it caught fire. So that's I'm a glad, fair guess. I, I, I'm yeah. glad I don't eat there. So that makes me happy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that there you go then. So. Um, anyway, but but your house was fine. You yeah, your, luckily, your and, and I, I want to show my appreciation of your empathy of feeling that oh no, his house gonna burn down. Yes, well, and but to see the thing is, you have to remind yourself. You know what? Other people's suffering counts too. Um, and you know, we what we're talking about is how can we prevent a civil war? And I was thinking about some ways that we might do it. And one of the ways is we have to build bridges toward people who disagree with us or, or did um, us wrong because I, w- I wanted to bring up uh, yeah. you saw that amber geiger the white police yes woman talk about who, that who shot the black man who was eating ice cream in his own home because she was confused uh, i guess she went into the wrong apartment yeah yeah, yeah. well i mean mm-hmm. it, it, it would make sense if they had all the same furniture all the furniture was in the same exact spot the walls were painted the same color Right. It would make sense, but, you know, I'll digress from that. Uh, the big point I wanted to, to discuss, and what links it to our previous discussion, was uh, the brother of the victim requested that he be able to give her a hug and let her know that he forgave her. And it, it led to an interesting article that I ended up reading on Deadspin through The Root, which is um, more uh, minority, it's it's black news writers and opinions and and columns like Mm -hmm. that. And they Mm -hmm. were talking about the idea that he said in that moment he forgave her, but forgiveness is not something you get in an instant. It's something you do for the rest of your life. That at any moment, the idea that, you know, he feels it for now and he he probably genuinely feels that way, but Mm -hmm. he no longer has his brother to live his life with. Right. And she's going yes. to jail for 10 years, quote unquote. Yeah. She's going to get paroled in five because that's how it's structured. I'm shocked she didn't get the bare minimum sentence, but that's regardless of the point. That's another time. Yeah. yeah. There, there is a great conversation to be had there, though. Yeah. And she, she got that embrace from the victim's brother. And to me, and, and, I, and you have to put yourself in their shoes, okay? Mm-hmm. Yeah. If one of my brothers was murdered because an idiot was confused as to what apartment they were in. Right. I would always be angry at that person. Yes. Um, hearing them and, and seeing what they had to say as to why the situation happened. Um, I, you know, if they seemed genuinely confused and they were not in the right headspace, I could find room to where I could say, okay, it's plausible that... They didn't know what they were doing or were out of their brevity in that situation. To mm-hmm. which point I would say, but they're a trained officer. How you are That was my concern too, yeah. Uh, the officer had this. options. The the officer should have been trained to use less than lethal force. In but that's that how officers are trained. They're trained to when you pull out your gun, you're using it for lethal force. There's no, mm-hmm. you know, at which point she was in uniform, she had a taser on her. Yeah, she had other options. Yes, I, I think. And then, it but was, that isn't the point. Make your and point, then it was, which well, I think is I, the I'm more important. I'm setting up the one. the situation okay. of I'm ar- yeah. I'm arguing for this, and then I would go. Yeah. Okay. Well, they show text messages of her 
being racist. Yeah. So it's plausible that she didn't use less than lethal force because she sees black men as something yeah. different. So right. I can't put myself in his shoes because all the evidence points toward she only used lethal force because she saw a black man in what right. she believed to be her apartment. Right. So, Fred, if you were in your own apartment and she came in thinking it was hers, do you think you would have been shot? I, you know what? I doubt it. Exactly. Although I don't know. But I think you're right. And I have been the recipient of white privilege on any number of occasions. And I don't have any pride in that. I, you know, I don't hate myself for it because it's no more my fault that I'm white than it's his fault that he's black. That Sorry, that was... I had nothing to do with it. I wasn't there at the time. That was the roll of the dice and it's the way it came out. Obviously, I have received any number of advantages, but that isn't my fault. And I didn't create the structure and I don't believe in it and it shouldn't be that way. Uh, I, I really honestly am all heavily into the idea that everybody is treated equally, but we're not there yet. And, and I wanted to bring that empathy conversation into it, where I yeah. feel it for the victim's brother and his family, but I don't yeah. feel it for this officer because, again, all the evidence points to her actions were consciously chosen based upon her training in her profession. Yep. And, yep. Yep. and if it's something that you professionally do... And this was the result of what you professionally do. There's something wrong there. There's, yes. there's, there's, and it may be because uh, burglars who have broken into houses have successfully sued victims because they fell down their chimney and hurt their leg and yes. gotten money from it, which yes. blows my freaking mind, especially since it was in a conservative state that yeah. this was. Which I know. I'm sorry. And, I, I, this, the, I, there is so, so much just anger at all of this but, dysfunction for me. <laughs> I, and, and here's the thing. We're going to flip it around again. You're right. I, by no means do I think that Amber Geiger should go free. Um, what she did was wrong. It was indefensible, or at least the, the jury said so. And I didn't hear all the facts. They did. So I'm going to assume they were right. Based on the facts I've heard, yeah, I'd have locked her up too. Um but my point is, is that if I can, if you can feel for other people, that doesn't mean that you'll never allow anything bad to happen to them. I, can I feel for Amber? Sure. She's, she's going to have a pretty shitty five or 10 years or however that it's going to come out. I'm sure that's true. On the other hand, I recognize that, hey, you made a choice and you're a trained professional who should have made a different one and you didn't. And because of that, Someone is dead, and because of that, you get to lose your liberty for some time. And I don't have any objection to that. Um, I would simply like us all to be able to feel for the suffering of, of others and decide that simply because you don't have a nice stack of little green pieces of paper does not mean that you need to suffer. Uh, Amber Geiger, that was her name, right? Amber should be suffering. Yeah. Yes, I have no argument there. She screwed up. She killed somebody. We don't say that's okay. She needs to suffer. Hitler certainly needed to suffer. I shed not a single bloody tear when we shot Osama bin Laden. I, that was perfectly fine. <coughs> but how do we get to the place that we determine, you know, well, this person, they haven't done anything wrong. Well, except they're lazy. So they should suffer. Really? Because I, I, I got a question about that too. I mean... I, I don't understand why a person, what, because I don't approve of their lifestyle? Because I don't approve well, of how, I mean, if they're hurting me, let's talk about that. Well, you, okay? you were discussing that in a in your own individual podcast of the idea of pride and, and slothful, slothfulness. And yes. And there's a misnomer there about the seven deadly sins. You know, there's nothing in the Bible about the seven deadly sins, right? No, that was actually uh, Dante. Pope Gregory. Pope and, Gregory came up with it first. Yeah, yeah. So, and then, and you, then you go into Dante's Inferno. You know, the the seven floors of hell and all that. 
Yeah, so, levels. Yes, that that's Dante. That's yeah, that's different from the seven deadly sins. But yes, uh, so, the point of the, of that was simply that I don't buy that that sloth is a sin anymore. I, I I and I don't like the idea that somebody is going to have to sit and not live now and and is going to die because you don't approve of the way they live. Well, you, my my you point steal was steal somebody's car, you kill somebody, you rape somebody, you kidnap a kid. Absolutely. I'm not arguing any of that. But what? Because you don't work hard enough? What's hard enough? And why is you know, well, we'll never get anywhere if if, if nobody works. Look, I I work 10 days a month now, and that's all I can work. If On day 11, you can be damn sure I'm going to be in the hospital. Um, and, and I don't even usually make 10. But does that mean that I never do anything? No, I'm doing this all the time, or I'm writing all the time, or I'm making a video all the time, or I'm reading all the time. What I'm not doing is going and hurting anybody else. And you know what? I'm not a bad person for it. And if I were really good, I could be a great artist or something like that. Do we really want to decide, hey, no, we're not going to have another Mozart because um, we need him to be, uh, you know, uh, sweeping the floor someplace. We can get other things to sweep the floor. Okay, we have, and with automation coming, it's going to happen anyway. Let's decide, hey, let's, let's drop the sloth is a sin thing now. And let's decide, hey, let people live and let them live the lives they want. It's a long-term investment. You will get more out of them because you have allowed them to live. They will then produce something of great value, or at least some of them will. And then, congratulations, um, we have a better world. Mine aren't the only values. Neither are somebody else's. Well, if they're lazy, they should, they should suffer. All right, I'm not saying that we need to buy them a damn swimming pool, but why? They're not hurting you. It's, it's, again, going back to that idea of sin, which to me is absurd. Um, to me, there's you have actions in your life, and there are consequences for those actions in your life. Good yes. and bad consequences. Because consequences are just things that happen after you make a decision. So yes. the, the idea that there's a negative connotation to consequences right, is, is yeah. stupid it's because of the punishment philosophy of society yeah. of when you do wrong we punish you we slap you on the yes. wrist or whatever which is right. not the proper way to do it because what does that person learn by the punishment okay big freaking yeah. whoop it's you're yeah. not reforming them you're not changing them to see the difference so no right i mean the consequence of going to work is i'm going to have more money that's not bad. That's good. You but know, you you have another one yeah. on top of that. But if you go to work too much, you end up in the hospital. Right, I do. And yeah, I mean, for me, morality is always a ma uh, a matter of consequences, not hard and fast rules. Uh, well, you know, you got to have this rule. It's always been the rule. We got to live with that rule. Why? The societies that that survive are those that can adapt to changing situations. Our situation is not the same as it was 200,000 years ago, not even 200 years ago. In fact, it's not even all that similar to what it was two decades ago. Things change, and then we need to be able to change with them. And finally, we've grown enough. We can do this now. Everybody does not need to be working their ass off in order to survive. You can sit down and enjoy life for a minute. And if you're not going to do that, what's the point? Is life just really supposed to be suffering? And, well, yes, you suffer in this life, so you get something better in the next one. Well, to hell with that. I've got this one. I don't know what's going on. If there's another life, maybe. But right now, I have this life, these minutes, and I would like to enjoy them. I would like everyone else to enjoy them. That, well, I, don't I, I, would, I would also argue that, well, there needs to be a level of suffering because then it gives you context to the things that make it worthwhile. I'm not saying you should suffer... Yeah. 95% of the time, and here's your 5% right. of enjoying what is I agree. something that's temporary. But sure, <laughs> and it's unavoidable anyway. I mean, yeah. you're going to suffer, yes. Because humans are but, imperfect. But on top of that, I mean, for example, the price of love is always pain. You love someone, your mother, your father, your dog, whatever. Even if you are your boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever, you love them, and but it will end in pain. Either you will break up, or they'll go away, or they'll move, or they'll die. 
these are, you know, if, if you're with somebody, my mother and father were together for like 47 years and mom paid the price. It was pain. I still think if I gave the choice, well, mom, we could take away that pain and you just never had dad. She would say, screw it. Give me the pain. But suffering is a part of the human condition. My concern is needless suffering. Why should we have that? There are, there are people who are homeless. That doesn't have to happen. We, could, we have because, enough land and enough space to give everybody a home. Because the honest answer to that is because it pushes people to be complacent. They're used as an example of this will happen to you if you don't comply. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. all it is. It's, it's, right. It's a threat. Yeah, that's what prisoners yeah. are. That's what homeless people are. That's what starving children are. That's what children yes. with cancer cancer are. <laughs> yeah, they're an no, example you're right. of to you who thinks it's so bad it could be worse for you. So enjoy your, your not yeah. as bad, and yeah. that is terrible. I have to agree with you. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right about that, and. For me, it's, okay, well, I can accept that my life will never be utopic, but I'm going to do what I love doing and reach a point where it doesn't matter to me if I get paid for it or not. I will do this for free because I love it. And there aren't enough people who do that. There are people who just accept their circumstances in life and you see it in their face. You see, you hear it in their voice and you, you see it in their actions. It's just, you're just going through it. Uh, You, you have this tough job where you're talking with people who aren't going to be alive in eight months because you work in a medical office and you want to just Mm -hmm. go home and turn on the TV to mindless schlop because you don't want to think. Well, that's being conditioned into you because if you critically think, you will then now have that empathy and then you will start feeling for that person. You don't want to feel for that person because you're told if you are in that situation, it's the worst possible situation. But is it really? It isn't yeah. really, and and I think of Lewis Black, who is a very good comedian. Uh, he says, you know, when someone young and talented dies, you know, I think the good die young, and pricks live forever. And <laughs> you see that played out in practice. How often yeah. is the man who has exploited his workers for a lifetime because he has the money and resources to have good medical coverage live longer than his workers who are charitable, help their, their community, help their family, and they're yes. the ones suffering. That's that's the point he's making. The good people, the good, honest, hardworking people do not get the fair shake when it comes to experiencing life or the longevity of it because simply they're not afforded the opportunity to, which I... which. You and I can very strongly agree on that's something that needs to be changed, period. Yeah. And, you know, let's wind it up with this. What can people do to make the world a better place? I'm going to make a suggestion. Maybe you have one, too. But I would start with this. Find the people who disagree with you. Find the people who don't like you. Say something nice to them. There is something nice to be said about anybody with a few, okay, maybe I couldn't find something nice to say about Bin Laden, but damn near anyone else, there are nice things to be found in them. Take the time, find it, appreciate it, and tell them. Why? Because you would be another step closer to building a bridge with this person, and you're going to need it at some point. Let's do one thing once a day, find somebody, do something nice for them. That's a way to begin to heal the wounds. Make a suggestion, Wim. Well, something that I do in practice when I have the income to do it is, Fred, I've told you before, uh, yeah. when I'm going grocery shopping, I, I usually only buy like 10 things. So I'm in the exp- express lane anyway. The person behind mm-hmm. me, I buy the groceries. There you go. It's and $40 you know out and of my pocket, thing- but... At one but time I got it with a woman had. who had two kids and a newborn and I paid paid for their their food. I'm like, that's that's something for the kids that they can use. No big deal. Fine. Forty bucks. I don't I And <laughs> And but it made a huge difference to her and not only the forty bucks, 
but the fact that you thought to do it. The fact that you not only acknowledged her existence, but you said your existence, the existence of your children, that matters. It's important. You're a part of this world. I'm glad you're a part of this world. Let me help you out this little bit. Again, it's, you know, I agree with you because those for me are the three most important words. Stick, I love you. The most important three words are, let me help. And so I can certainly be in favor of that. Um, Listeners, we hope that you have gotten some ideas from this, and we would love to hear any kind of response that you have to what Wimpy and I have said today. Um, You can leave messages on our Anchor site. I know that there's a way to leave a voice message, although I've never done it. I'm going to try that sometime, though. At Worldwide Wimpy on Twitter? There you go. Worldwide Wimpy on any underscores or anything? I don't. It's one solid word. For those who tweet, I have never been on Twitter. I'm thinking about it. But worldwide wimpy. Oh, uh, we're gonna have a front porch Twitter soon. I'm I'm gonna hop. Are on we that okay? Along so we're gonna email, have a front so. porch. Okay, so we're gonna have a front porch Twitter. So get go have a seat on and that Facebook porch and page. tell us what you think. <laughs> um, oh, that will be cool. So we'll have all of that. Um, we're way way in our infancy, so we really are grateful to those of you that have that have stuck with us this far. We're getting there, Fred. We're crawling. We're crawling. Yeah, we are. Yeah, we we are better than than infants now. So we're glad that you stuck with us this far. We hope that you'll stick with us a little while longer. Leave comments on Worldwide Wimpy. Uh, I'm on Facebook. If you tell me who you are, yeah, I'll probably accept your friend uh, friend request. Um, And it's F-R-E-D-E-D-E-R. And uh, by all just, means, just be please. forewarned, Fred will ask you to Netflix and chill through Facebook. Just no, I really won't. Um, not anymore. I'll probably ask you something equally offensive and equally ignorant on my part. But hey, it, I'm still claiming the ignorance excuse. I really didn't know. But anyway, <laughs> um, now I do. I won't make the same mistake twice. I'll find new mistakes to make, but I'm not making that one again. So, but thank you guys for coming by the porch. We hope you'll stop by again. Remember. There's always somebody on the front porch.